Hello and welcome to Inside the Artist Shanty. Welcome to the program that interviews artists of all mediums and standings. From writers to actors, painters to musicians, we explore their craft, passion, struggles, successes, and what keeps them going and doing what they love. My name is Colin Frizzell and I'll be your host this week, Inside the Artist Shanty. Welcome back to the Artist Shanty. This uh, week, the shanty is Starbucks again in Bloor West Village, and I'm here with Marilyn Ann Campbell. She is a writer and occasional playwright whose stage plays have been seen throughout North America, in cities like Winnipeg and Calgary, down to the States, in Chicago and New York, and many others. Her plays include the sci-fi comedies Universal Language, and A Place in the World, the dramas Flood Control and Marks of Birth, the children's play The Knight's Errand, and her Remembrance Day themed Failing Hands, which is one of the three winners of the Storybook Theatre National Young, sorry about that, National Theatre Young Audiences Playwright Competition. Her short story Model Citizen appeared in the YA speculative fiction magazine Inaccurate Realities and this is now available to read on Wattpad which you can find online. The Goose Fighter, her first venture into writing for comics, will appear in the upcoming Toronto Comics Anthology Osgood as Gold. I do like that name by the way. Oh, so do I. Yes. They found a very terrible and wonderful time. Yes. Osgood is in Toronto, if you're not a Toronto listener, and that's what makes it so spectacular. Mm -hmm. And you actually went to Osgood Law School. Very briefly. Yes, I did. That's true. Now, I found it interesting, though, that you said um, that love is one of your drives, and that studying the law... <laughs> Was the opposite of that? Yes. Yes. How yeah, so? I, um, well, I, I, so I spent about three months in law school, and it was, it was really on a whim, which is not usually how you go to law school, no. but I didn't have a plan for after graduation, yeah. and another friend was applying to law school, and I thought, I'll apply too, and got in, and um, I was sitting in classrooms, and they were teaching us the formulas for how you calculate, uh, for example, in a corporation, the, the cost analysis of how much will we get sued for killing people versus how much will it cost us to change this. The bean counters. Yeah. yeah, and then I just, and there were many classes with that kind of content, and I just thought, no, yeah. no, I can't, I can't do this. I, I sometimes think now if I'd had a reason for doing it, if I'd been like, I'm on a mission to change the world with my law degree, yeah. I probably could have stuck with it. But because I had no, I was just like, this will be interesting, and then it was not the kind of well, interesting I wanted. Depressing. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like um, fiction writing heightens your empathy. Mm. And reading fiction, it has been proven, heightens your empathy. We're going into something like that. You have to remove all empathy. People become numbers. Yeah, yeah. Situation. Of course, then you do, there you get around to where if you're, you can use the empathy of juries to try to twist. So storytelling can certainly come oh, into yeah. it later. Into it later. But yeah, but there's a whole lot of, yeah, it's yeah. very different. So. so were you interested in writing before law school? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, well, I was like, I think so many people, like I was writing when I was a kid. I was writing short stories and all that stuff. But I had done um, some 
casual playwriting, I guess you'll say, and then I actually studied screenwriting when I was at York. Um, but it was just one of those things where I, I wasn't, I didn't have a, a, a set, I wasn't like, here's the, here's the movie I'm going to make when I graduate, here's the, I didn't have the like, here's exactly what I'm going to do with this ready to go. Um, so I was sort of still like, maybe I'm not done with school yet. Maybe I want to learn more things. And that led to law school, and that was a terrible idea. But uh, yeah, I've been, I've been writing. Uh, so what I just studied at York? So when I was there, the program was called uh, Fine Arts Cultural Studies. They have since changed the name because it was a terrible name. Yes. Because nobody knew what that meant. And everybody, when you say that, people think, oh, cultural studies, you're studying, like, culture, like, you know, from different areas of the world. Was, but that's not what it meant. It just meant interdisciplinary fine arts. Oh, that's which what, is what they call that's it. That's what they now call it. Okay. So my degree says something different, but it was interdisciplinary yeah. fine arts, which I did because that was it. I knew I was interested in writing, but not strictly for one field. I was like, I don't know if I want to be screenwriting, or do I want to be playwriting, or do I want to be writing books, or do I want to be writing nonfiction? So interdisciplinary seemed like, well, I can dabble like in different rather than going into theater or going into screenwriting I was, it was very unusual almost everybody in the program that was that was what they offered you if you weren't quite good enough for the pro, so like you apply to film and they'd say you can't get into film this year but you can do cultural studies if you want there was only like three of us in the program who actually applied for it it might be different now yeah. but at that time in my year there was like three of us who were like we want to be here and everybody else was trying to get, get into the other program so uh, yeah, but but you're still doing the internet. Like you're still writing multiple things. Oh yeah, you're doing the yeah. plays. You're doing the screenplays. No, playwriting is your main focus. Mm-hmm. And many of your plays are. Now, is there a reason for that? Uh, frankly, I'm I'm one of those people who just sort of interesting opportunities come up. I go with them. Um, so playwriting was sort of the one that I got into the easiest after school and that led to more things so I've just kept doing it because um, that's where I keep finding new opportunities and new audiences so yeah and new audiences so it's not I have no you know I'm still interested in screenwriting I still I have two half finished novels more than half two thirds yeah. finished novels that I'm like one of these days I'll get back to you but then I keep seeing playwriting things come up that I do those first now a lot of your plays are one acts yeah is there something in particular about the one act that you... Um, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I think I, I do like a kind of a compact story. Uh, there's nothing wrong with obviously two acts and, and longer things, but a lot of my ideas are sort of, are really distilled. I want to explore this, this one thing. And to turn it into a two act, I'd be trying to, I'd be finding stuff to add. So instead, I just write it as a one act. And, and but you are there. doing a, one of your works in progress is a two act. Is it your first? I've got the name here. I don't know. What, yeah, I'm like, which one are you thinking? Oh, wait, I think I know what you're talking about. From my website. Well, so so yeah. Failing Hands, first of all, Failing Hands is was also written, because it's written to be able to be done in schools, it was written flexibly. So basically, there's a spot for an act break, um, but it's still shorter than you would consider most full-length no, plays. Inheriting James? Ah, Inheriting James, yeah. So that is a, a, a similarly, that is a... What would be considered a shorter two act? It's longer okay. than a one act. It's written so that you could do uh, an act break, but you could also do it without if you wanted to go straight through. Um, but uh, yeah, I guess I just, the play ends up whatever length it ends up. <laughs> now, with the playwriting though, like 
um, as opposed to the books or screenplays. You, I think you get to, as a playwriter, you get a bit more... Um, well, you get control in the book writing too, but with the playwright, you get to workshop it more. Uh, yeah, you. So, it's interesting. Um, yeah, playwriting is uh, often thought of sort of it's the it's the one that's the writer's medium, yes. like compared to film, where yeah. you write the script and you send it off, and it's probably going to get changed, and you know, unless you're making it yourself. And people talk about okay, playwriting's uh, you know the opposite of that. And it is in many ways in that, um, you know, people don't or people are not supposed to change lines or rewrite or anything like that. Uh, but for me, at least, so much of my work has been done in other cities, not here, that I'm not, I'm rarely actually involved in, I shouldn't say rarely, but half the time, but half my plays have involved in, been involved in the workshopping process. Other times, I just send it out. And I'll get, like, and I'll tell the directors or the producers, you know, feel free to email me. I'll get a couple questions. But then, and I have this ridiculous thing where I travel to see all my plays no matter where they are. So it's when I show up and I'm seeing it, I'm seeing what they did with it for the first time. So there's a lot of, of well, let's just see what they, what they came up with. And uh, most of the time, it's great. Like, yeah. So, I was just going to ask how that experience well, is. Well, uh, I've never had a bad experience. I've never been, like, upset with something. There's been times where I've been surprised, where it wasn't, like, I'm like, oh, that wasn't, the whole tone is different than what I thought. But it works. I had one where, I don't, but where the, the one, uh, I was thinking of it as more a fast-paced, quippy, you know, borderline, like a dark comedy. Yeah. Um, and they sort of, really did it slower and darker and I was like oh this works too yeah um so I've had moments like that but I've always enjoyed it and then I've had I've had I mean honestly I've had people who I sent it off and they made it better and emailed me back and were like can we do this and I'm like yep go for it and nice. uh, uh has there ever been any major changes um no well not certainly not without my uh input yeah um the one uh um there's a theater in uh, Aberdeen, South Dakota. It's called uh, Storybook Land Theater. And the uh, director there, he, he, they did The Knight's Errand. But that was the second production of The Knight's Errand. And the way it was written, the first production, it was a smaller cast, and he had a bigger cast, and they wanted to sort of work in some more uh, action. They didn't, they didn't try to split roles. They didn't try to add lines. They just needed something for the other performers to do, because it's a youth group. There's, so, you know, there's a set number. So they really expanded on the physical bits that were kind of hinted at in the script, but left up to you, and their physical bits were brilliant. Like, it was oh, fantastic nice. what they yeah. did with it. So, you know, that kind of thing, where they were yeah. just like, is it okay if we, you know, because the script calls for a single person to pick up a puppet and work it. And it was like, is it okay if it's like a bigger puppet and there's multiple people? I'm like, yes, you know. So a little dragon-like gag turned into this giant dragon fight scene with this huge stuffed dragon and that kind of thing. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah, so, it, so yeah. that's it. It's always been, uh, and then, of course, I have done workshopping experiences as well, where I do go out and... You know, and it's very much a back and forth, like going around a table and the actors are reading and talking about their characters and giving feedback. And certainly lots of changes have come out of those yeah. as well. That's so yeah, both, both ways. But. Excellent. And you've done, um, you, well, we'll get to the comic book a little later because okay. that's kind of a new Yeah, yeah that is a new thing, out. yes. So we'll tease that right now. <laughs> All right. And then we'll talk. Now, you've also done a documentary? Uh, well, 
Dunes. It's still in the I was going to say done is uh, yeah. is not maybe the word to use for it. I've dabbled in documentary, um, but having no knowledge of what to do with it next, it's still lingering in post-production, shall we say? Yeah. But that sort of falls back into the category of where I was saying that I just kind of, as opportunities come up, I didn't sit down and say I want to be a documentary filmmaker. It was some people I knew were doing an interesting thing, and I thought, I have a camera. I can... I can film this happening, yeah. and then I'll see what I'll do with it later. Um, so yeah, hopefully we'll still wrap that up at some but point. But you've got a fair amount. Oh yes, yeah, it's 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 quite far along. So sort of figuring out what to do with it now. Yes. Because there was the question, you know, do we try to get broadcast, try to film festivals, do we just make it sh- into smaller segments and put it on the web? So, and that's a whole other part of the, the artistic process. It's the, you've got to focus on getting the project done. And then after that, you've got to, unless you're lucky enough to have the team behind you that mm. takes care of that business part, yeah. you've got to switch hats. <laughs> yeah. and, and you've got to do so while you're working on other projects, like the comic book. Mm. Now, how did... This was your first time doing the comic book? Yeah, yeah. I um, well, Actually, it's funny. In At York, while I was doing fine arts cultural studies, there was an opportunity to make up an independent study, which is just, I don't like any of the courses you offer, I'm going to make up my own, which not many people took advantage of. But I made up my own course on comic books. But it was sort of about the history and the social impact they've had. And that was, I mean, this is a while ago now, so it was like the idea of uh, Mouse, and I don't know if you're familiar yeah, with it. So Comics had sort of just yeah, started being yeah. talked about in a... Mouse is a uh, graphic novel about um, where the Jews are the mice, mm-hmm. and the Nazis are the cats, and it's, yeah, it was one of the first ones, I think, you would know more about that. Well, well so it was one of the first ones, I, I think, that got noticed widely um, as the idea that comics could be exploring things other than superheroes. People want to look it up. Mouse is M-A-U-S. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 So so it was a, I studied, you know, I studied comics, I guess, in university. And at that time I briefly thought about, oh, maybe some of these screenplays I'm working on would work as comic books. But I didn't, same thing. I mean, nobody I knew was making comics. I didn't really have it. So it was just a casual thought. And then now. Uh, again, I just saw, there was a call on Twitter for Toronto-inspired comics. And I thought, yeah, I could probably do that. And uh, just started... Yep, so I just, you know, looked up, I mean, and that's it, so I've read a lot of comics, but I just had to look up the formatting, like how you write for an artist, as opposed to, you know, uh, writing prose or even writing stage directions and, you know, just how all the formatting that kind of stuff works. Well, the formatting for graphic novels and such is fairly similar to that of screenplays and plays, much more so than, like, a book. Oh, yeah, certainly much more so than a book. Yeah, you have to think in, it's the idea of instead of thinking in scenes, you know, you have to, you have to think in pages because, you know, you, you, where does the where your frames end? Your last frame on that page. You want people to want to turn the page. So it's like you're thinking about how much. Where, where's the story going on this page? And then when you turn the page, like what's the first thing that hits you? So you have to sort of think and think visually as well, obviously. Um, and uh, yeah, and you sort of lay it out uh, frame by frame. Yeah, I once had to do a. I was offered uh, for. Um, 
I was offered, I won't name names, I was offered the chance to do a presentation on how to do a graphic novel. Okay. I have never done a graphic novel. I'm not 100% sure why they asked me. As a local writer, they wanted to get me into the local book thing after okay. some kerfuffle. And um, so Liam O'Donnell, who had been on the show, because again, an opportunity came along, it paid, I said yes. Mm. Liam O'Donnell is a graphic novelist on the show that appeared on this show. He was friends with mine beforehand. I knew he did lectures on graphic novels. So he was kind enough to send me his lecture. Ah. To which I presented. <laughs> so they got a lecture from a professional graphic novel. Just told Just through, through me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well. So it worked out for everyone. Yeah, everybody's happy. After, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a fascinating uh, and a growing. Like, there's a lot of the, the comics and the graphic novels are getting much more respect than they used to. Yeah, I think so. And I think a big thing is that people are recognizing that they don't have to tell only one kind of story, you know, yes. um, for a long time. Obviously, comics were, you And know. what is the Osgood, as so, good as gold? As, as good as gold. As good as gold. So this is actually, so this is the Toronto Comics Anthology Volume 5. So this okay. is the fifth time they've done this. Uh, it's T.O. Comics Press, Comics with an X. Okay. And they also own the URL Toronto Comics Anthology, if you want to have a look. But, um, so the first three were just Volume 1, 2, and 3. Number four, I just have to get the, the other pun in, was young at heart, young spelled like young street, and now we have as good oh, as gold. very nice. Um, and they did do a mini in between there as well, so I forget which ones it was in between. But, so they've done this a bunch of times, and the idea is it's um, the stories uh, don't have to be set certainly in real Toronto. There's a whole lot of fantasy and sci-fi and reimagining and all this, but the stories have to somehow relate back to Toronto and the creators have to have some connection to Toronto, either be living here now or be, you know, from here originally. Okay. Um, so, uh, so there's, I believe there's 24 stories in the comic and again, they're going to like span different genres because it could be, you know, you can pitch any genre you like, like it's not a specific, you know, so there will be, well, I haven't read it yet, but I'm sure there will be, uh, you know, sci-fi and, and and they pair up writers with artists do you ever meet the artists so so it goes both ways some of the people contributing are writer artists they're doing their whole oh, story okay. themselves um i you basically you depending on who you are you submit you know so i submitted just as a writer um and yes they they paired me up with an artist uh the artist for mine is austin Payne, and i did meet austin actually it was interesting i met austin before I knew she was my illustrator, um, oh, okay. because they had a meetup, sort of between announcing who, which stories have been chosen and which illustrators have been chosen, but before actually uh, putting us together, there was a meetup at uh, it's a really neat little cafe in, uh, on Queen East called Sidekick, and it's a comic book store and a coffee shop. Okay. So a bunch of us, not everybody involved, obviously, not everybody could make it, but a bunch of us went, and and so I met Austin then. Um, and then after, uh, found out that that she would be uh, doing our doing yeah. Our, yeah. So she's so yeah. So um, and uh, and I haven't seen her since, but of course I've seen you know drafts going back and forth. Oh, uh, so we nice. have an editor who's uh, Megan Purdy is our editor, and she's okay. you know our go-between and like keeps everything on track, and and we you know gives feedback back and forth. It's now into the so the at this point. I've seen the inks, which is the so first pencils, you get feedback on them, and inks. Uh, I haven't seen it colored yet. That's the next, because it is a full color comic, so that'll be the final. Get and it'll color. be released? Uh, May 15th is okay. when the book is aiming to be released. There is a Kickstarter running throughout March, 
that they're doing. Okay, um, what is the Kickstarter? Exactly? So the Kickstarter is is uh, frankly the, the biggest thing. Is the Kickstarter is a great way to pre-order because of course okay. you can uh, you know many of the rewards. I haven't actually seen all the rewards yet, but I presume they will all include. Uh, you know, or at least the upper ones include a copy of the anthology. So just by pre-ordering it, then you're helping out with the small press printing costs by getting them the money in advance to print all the books, and then you get your your copy when they're ready. But of course, there's also like any other Kickstarter crowdfunding. There's going to be uh, different reward levels. I know some of the artists are contributing. So how would somebody find it? Um, so the best way, well, you can, as I say, the Toronto Comics Anthology. Um, Does Google? Yeah, is it .com? I should know that part. I think it's .com. TorontoComicsAnthology.com. Okay. Well, if you send it to me later, we'll put it up on our website. Great. InsideTheArtistShanty.com. Nice. And, uh, yeah, and you can check out the, the And they'll also be able to check out, because I'd like to put up uh, links to your... You've got a couple short films as well. Shrove <laughs> Tuesday and uh, Christmas Vibe. Well, if okay, we'll call those short films. Well, they are. I, I would call those more uh, online. Well, anyway, they're, yes, yes. So, so those are. I have two uh, holiday puppetry foolishness yes. things. Um, one with pancakes. Yes, one with pan. Yeah, they're food based, which yeah. was by accident that they were both food based. But yes, one. Were you hungry at the time? Uh, apparently, I'm always hungry. <laughs> that is a big thing for me. So yes, the show of Tuesday speech is a talking pancake. And, um, see, you've caught me off guard. I can't think of the name of my own thing. Oh, uh, the Christmas? Oh, the Christmas one. Yes. I, I can help you a with little, that. Yeah. A, a little, little citrus this Christmas. Thank you. There it is. It's so, a bit to get your tongue around. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, those are those are just some fun things that are up there. Um, well, fun things is good. It helps I know. keep yeah. you creative. Yes. Yes. And those are, uh, like both of those, a lot of stuff that when I actually... I find that the... The stuff I finish is often the stuff that's done the fastest. So, like, both of those, I pretty much had the idea and made them that day or, like, the next day because it was just called, oh, I should have a talking orange or, you know. Yeah. Um, so they were quick little. But the, the Shrove Tuesday speech, I shouldn't, because it did, uh, it was shown at film festivals, or rather at one film festival that traveled, which was the International Pancake Film Festival, which exists. And uh, it was made specifically for them, as you might imagine. I found out there was a pancake film festival, which that's their whole thing, is it just has to involve pancakes. So how do you find all of these wonderful opportunities? Because you actually found me the opportunity when uh, Chill First came out. You, you were the mm. one that turned me on to the... Um, now here, this is student writers and teachers mm -hmm. um, program, which put writers in it. Where do you find all these wonderful? Uh, well, I keep an eye on so so ones like that. That actual one was a a, a real job board, work in culture, which is a great website for anybody who's Canadian and yeah. looking interested in that kind of thing. But most of the the randoms are just from social media. Um, I've put together a lot of lists on Twitter and that sort of thing of of ridiculous people as I come across them or you know different theaters that I'm really interested in and this kind of thing and I have Google alerts for certain phrases and I yeah. just sort of have a little social media system for looking for ridiculous opportunities um, and yeah it's it's worked out pretty well so. yeah well it's an interesting way to do it because we've talked with, with multiple people and they all say you have to keep open mm. if you get very focused on this is what I want to do this is all I want to do you know, it's going to make it much more difficult mm -hmm. as opposed to this is what I want to do. Here's another opportunity. 
Matt Beam, who I mentioned, uh, I didn't actually, I'm getting Matt and Liam mixed up. Matt Beam is a uh, YA author, he's also on the show, and when he was doing a presentation, somebody had uh, seen his photography, because he did photography on the side, but more of a... Um, a little more than a hobby kind of thing mm-hmm. and they said would you be interested in doing a book with me as a photographer mm. and they ended up doing a couple yeah it's that thing of keeping up but you've got a way of actually seeking them out and yeah. finding these little niches yeah. and just going with them yeah That's well and I do both I mean hey if anybody ever comes up to me I also <laughs> I'm big on the uh, on anything the ridiculous time based challenges so like NaNoWriMo and I've done there was uh, an old one script frenzy they don't do it anymore now but I also sometimes just use those the, the, the you got oh I did like the three day uh, three day novel you know so do you write um, better under pressure I don't even know if I write better I I just get it done whereas if I have all the time in the world I will keep tweaking and tweaking and tweaking yeah um, or being like eh, it's not quite ready eh, yeah. you know so and yeah you that's over tweak you oh you definitely yeah can. But, like, two of my, in fact, really, like, I had, so my first outside of school, like, and fooling around with my friends, I had one 10-minute play produced that was just random, but, like, and, and I mean, it was certainly my first production, but um, it was a very specific thing. My first just, here's a one-act play that I wrote and sent it out, was something that I wrote for uh, the Toronto Fringe Festival's 24-hour playwriting festival, or playwriting contest, I'm sorry. Okay. And it didn't win the contest. But I wrote it. I wrote this one I play in this 24 hours. And when it was done, I was like, well, it didn't win, but I really like this. And started looking, you know, for a place to submit it. And I really didn't change much of it. Like, I fixed my typos and stuff in 24 hours. But there's just a few tweaks. And I submitted that to a festival in Winnipeg. And they got accepted there. And then same thing, another one that I wrote for a different 24-hour playwriting contest yeah. uh, was the one that was done in Hamilton. So... I find that often they do. They were they, they come out know. fairly complete, and it's That's like they're excellent. pretty yeah. close to ready Just to go. You don't win those competitions doesn't mean you know that it's not good and it's not worth pursuing. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And sometimes people who win those competitions or any competition isn't always like I'm thinking a lot of the reality shows that have <laughs> the people that don't make it to the last round sometimes yeah. go a lot further yeah. than the ones that do. It's a whole different thing to winning a competition than there is. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think, because with those, like, especially the first one, like, uh, you know, sometimes it's not the contest, whoever's, whoever's running the contest. Yeah. It's their audience, but also, like, who their audience is going to be eventually, if, they're, if it's a contest to produce something, they might not match with what you wrote for that particular contest. Mm-hmm. So it might not be, like, not winning. That's it doesn't mean yeah. they didn't, doesn't even mean they didn't like it. It just means it's not... It doesn't fit their... Fit their thing, if that's part of the contest, is some yeah. sort of, you know, production slot or something like that. So, you know, I never take not winning as any sort of indication indication. Um, I mean you know now with your um, unproduced plays Mm -hmm. is there one in particular you would like to see more than the others ooh well, um, I mean, I'd like to see, so Failing Hands won the contest and got a workshop, but it hasn't had, like, a full, fully staged production yet. It was it was done as a reading with, you know, a little bit of movement, and um, 
So I'd love to see that one done. Now, what is it? You, that's your Remembrance Day one. Yes. Yeah. Now, what exactly is it about? So it's um, so it is aimed at uh, teen audiences. Just as I said earlier, it was designed to be able to be performed in schools or outside. And it's a it's a three-person play, and it's uh, two students who are working in a nursing home. One while volunteering, one by choice, one not by choice. And uh, there's a resident there who has dementia, and as her dementia progresses near the start of the play, um, she begins talking about uh, serving in, in World War II as a nurse, which nobody knows because she doesn't talk about it. And it's only as the dementia becomes and she starts getting confused about where and when she is because she starts thinking the nursing home is the hospital. So she starts confusing the two that it becomes apparent. Uh, what her role was in the war and uh, and it's sort of about the kids trying to uh, find out figure out how to help her in the present and also kind of understand the past yeah and for them to, and of course yeah. you know they have their own stuff to work out too that that, that works into that it works into it and that's a one act yep how long um well when we, when we did it uh, probably probably ran about an hour I think See, and this is, and here I am saying, I'm talking about my own plays. I was like, wait, which? Because, <laughs> see, I, I'll explain to the audience. I was telling uh, Colin earlier, I wondered if anybody else had brought notes on their own career, which I did, because I'm terrible at remembering on the spot. So I'm going to say an hour okay. is what it ended up, but that's one of the ones we workshopped at multiple times. Yeah. So did it end up as that? I, I don't know. Yeah. That could be way well, again, off. Like you were saying earlier, it, it, depending on how the person interprets it, yeah. it, it could become longer, it could become shorter. Indeed. Yeah. That's part of the thrill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I write stuff and then I sort of forget it, apparently. Yeah, that's all right. Yep. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot. People don't understand that, but it's... You know, when you're writing multiple things. Not, well, that's the problem, is multiple drafts. And I'm like, which draft oh, did yeah. I stop on? Where did it end up? But well, um, I, I was just rewriting something, and I sent it to a friend. He got back to me, and he was like, well, I didn't understand that. So I'm like, how do you not? It's right there. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> oh, wait, no, I just got it. Is it still out. right there? Yeah. No, okay, I'm going to have to put that back in there. I thought it would uh, be... I don't know if I thought it would be self-explanatory, or if I forgot when I edited one part that I had to go back and tweak something else. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's hard to know, I think, you know, when you're writing, that if you're putting everything leading up to something, you can't just take out one thing yeah. and not go back and make sure that... See, And I have seen films and such made where... Uh, <laughs> where you think maybe they... Yeah. Well, I've, I've actually gone in on some DVDs, and there is one film in particular, I think it was called The Mexican, it was about a with... Um, Brad Pitt was in it, um, oh, whose name I'm blanking off from The Sopranos, and I really liked the movie, and then it just kind of fell apart part way through, and I'm like, I, I don't understand what happened there. Yeah. And then I watched the deleted scenes, and I'm like, <laughs> that's, that's what happened. <laughs> if you put that scene back in, yeah, it's a great lit. movie, oh. but it, it just, just leaked. Oh. And it's yeah. It's like what the what just happened? You know, though I I'm gonna take. I don't think that was a writer's choice at that point. No, so. well, in that yes, that yeah, is a factor. But, but yeah, you can easily get lost in your own multiple oh, yeah. drafts. And, yeah, yeah. Especially even editing, because you're like, this is this is slowing it down. Mm-hmm. I'll take it out, and move on, and then we were, oh, 
slowing it down, but it's kind of necessary. Yeah. Maybe I'll need to rewrite that as opposed to remove it. Yeah. Yeah. And see, and again, I'm going to correct myself again. I said that was three characters. The first draft said three characters. It has four characters. It has four now. I'm not even caught up. I'm like, wait, no, no. There's a four. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, you might add more later. Who knows? Yeah. The other one uh, that I would like to see done, but uh, I have to figure out how to solve the problem with it, is Inheriting James that you mentioned. Yes. Which I forget, were you were you at the reading of that? Or was that before your, with the St. Lawrence Center? We actually did a reading. Oh, I did. It was a very long time very ago. Long, I might have been. Yeah. That was a very long, that was time, a very long ago. time ago. Yeah. yeah, that was an early draft of that one. And we did a, we did a reading with that one. And I would have to. Yeah. But it was. I'm uh, at a point now where I'm sometimes halfway through a film and I'll yeah. go, hey, wait, I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and as I say, I was like, I think you might have seen an early draft. Yeah. I mean, it's changed since then, obviously. Yeah. That was a very long time ago. Was, was it in the upstairs? Yeah. Yes, yeah. I think I was probably there. Yeah. yeah. And, uh,. And that was a case of where, uh, you know, we were just casting with the people who were who worked there. Yeah. And I thought it was a fantastic cast. I'm like, can I just take you guys and yeah, go and put and this go play and on? Yeah, with yeah. There's a lot of talented people at the same time. There was, yeah. And I'm sure yeah, there still is. Yeah. I'm not there anymore. Oh, yes. I shouldn't say past tense. But yeah, oh, I'm sure there I'm is. I'm not there anymore, so I don't know them. Yeah. But, yeah. but it was a great, a great place to workshop an mm-hmm. environment which... You know, it's come up again too the, the necessity for community and the necessity to have people that, which brings us because we've actually been going for half an hour. Uh-huh. Um, but one of the things we always like to cover is, and I think this is a nice segue when we're talking about the necessity for the community, the necessity for the thing. What keeps you going? Ooh. Like these, the ups and the downs. And yeah, what keeps yeah. You I, honestly, I, I think it's just it doesn't occur to me not to. Um, <laughs> I'm not, uh, I, I don't have, as mentioned, I don't have some big, like, I'm going to, you know, get so many books published and be, like, I don't actually have an end goal like that. I just, I'm constantly thinking about things to write, so when I get time, I write them, and it just not doing that would seem strange, like... I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, I'm like, what do, what do other people do with their time? I don't understand. Um, so it's not really hard to keep going in that sense. Like in just the, you know, um, I guess the actual going after opportunities maybe takes a little more. Okay. I got to like sit down and, you know, um, uh, but I think what, (laughs) so you were looking for a nice community answer for me. It's that, uh, I just felt that that was (laughs) a nice nice segue. segue. Yeah. 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 But the thing is, what I found is, for, for me, most of the time, when I do submit stuff, especially the playwriting, or, well, no, and it applies to the comic, too, um, because I actually sort of tend to submit stuff to places I've found online or, like, to different cities and this sort of thing, and as I say, I often then travel to go see them or even going to this meetup. It's just by submitting, it sort of opens up whole new, like, meeting new people and seeing new places. So I kind of use the writing. It's like I sit at home and, you know mostly I actually write by myself like I don't have a regular workshop group or anything like that yeah. and then when it's at a point where I'm like ready to send it out then I send it out and then it's like and then I get to go and meet all the people who are now Doing interested it. in it and I get to go and you know Do so you ever show it before it's complete um like to Teddy oh um no I don't mean before it's complete complete right, right but right. I mean before you've got the beginning the middle and end and kind of not um, hmm, not usually. I mean, yeah. uh, but it's not like I have some big 
uh, like fear of that or something. It's not like, oh, nobody can see it till it's done. It's just because I'm not really involved with the writer's group or anything, besides Steve, uh, yeah. my partner, um, there's, I don't know who I'd show it to, so I just work on it until until I yeah. feel like it's now, you know, ready. ready to go out in the world. But And how do you know? Well, that's the problem, isn't it? As I yeah. say, when I can tweak yeah. forever. So it's when the deadline yeah. that the thing I want to submit it to is coming up, that's when it's done. It's yeah. like, okay, well, I want to get this into this, you know, this thing. So it's done the day before that. Um, and that's, that's that's a good way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Tim, the, uh, the co-host, often asks, he likes to know, how do you know when it's done? Mm-hmm. And that's a good way. It's, yeah. it's done when the deadline's here. <laughs> yep, that is that is often the case. And then you go from there. Because mm-hmm. it is, and you can't over... Overdo it. Yes, you can, definitely. And that's when I found what's been a problem for me is that stuff that I do overwork on, and that can even involve like workshopping, but then I go back to work on some more. Basically, I can lose momentum on it. And it's not that I'm not still interested in it, but it's like that initial, you know, just sort of dwindles, and then you start getting into something else. Because you've taken too long with this one thing, and there are other ideas waiting. So I've certainly had projects that I that I lost momentum on because there was there was no deadline and there was nobody waiting for it. So it just sort of yeah, got I just sort of moved on to something else, thinking, well it's not there yet, but I'll work on this other thing for a while and then I'll come back to it. And then four years later I'm like, Oh, I never came back to that thing. But that's so, all right. Sometimes after four years you can really look at it with fresh eyes. Yes, that's go, true, that's true. You know, and, and go, Oh, because it's like you're reading somebody else's. You, yeah. You know, yeah. You're not wrapped up in it. And <laughs> like, wow. You can see what others see and not what you... <laughs> what you thought you were. Yeah. Made. And some people think it's, you know, vanity when you see your... But it's not. It's that I don't think. I think it's you see on the page what is in your head. Mm-hmm. And it's brilliant in your head. <laughs> and then four years later, you look and you're like, oh, that wasn't what was in my head at all. No, no. <laughs> Somewhere between <laughs> in here. But when you're reading it at first, it's still what's in your head is what you're reading. And it's not until later you look and go, oh, there's a disconnect there mm. for sure. <laughs> yep, yep, definitely. Yeah. Sometimes you can fix and other times go, and I don't know. What I was thinking. <laughs> but this is a good line. I'll use it over here. <laughs> so the uh, the main thing coming out is your comic book. Yeah, that is the next thing. So yeah, so May fifteenth, I believe it should be uh, okay. should be published. I believe it's launching. At, well, I believe they're aiming to launch it at the Toronto Comic Arts Festival. So if you're in Toronto and go by the festival, oh. it should be there. And then of course afterwards it'll be available okay. other places. But, I um, didn't even know there was a festival. There Show is. Oh, you should Show check it out. You should check that out. Yeah. TCAF. 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 Okay, and we'll, if you see, we'll put up links to all of this on Wonderful. your page, and then you can come by. Uh, we'll put up links to your website, too. Great. And just to remind people, your writing name is? Ah, Marilyn Ann Campbell. Yes. yes. Emphasis yes. on the N, because there yeah. are... An N with an E, yes. Uh, people... Because I just go by Marilyn, obviously, in yes. my daily life. But uh, I very early on learned that there's but a romance. Superhero identity. Yes, yeah. Because yeah. there's a romance novelist named Marilyn Campbell. There's a playwright in I forget which state, but in the U.S. There's a playwright named Marilyn Campbell, and there is also an anti-bullying expert, which doesn't seem like it would conflict, except because I do much so much for young adult audiences. Oh, there has already been some yeah. crossover of people thinking that. I'm also a bullying, anti-bullying expert, 
which I'm not, but she is. I believe yeah. she's from Australia. So there are numerous Marilyn Campbells. Yeah. Of, so yeah. So I throw in the Anne just for. That's for one clarification. Thing I didn't have a lot of trouble. With. No, Frizzell's pretty good. Frizzell's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. There's another there's a golfer, I think, Colin Frizzell, in, yeah. uh, in the states. But there's not a lot of. So just don't take up golf. So you I'm cannot become that. a professional and, golfer. And people don't realize names are really important oh, in yeah. the age of Google. Yeah. Because um, if you just you know type in Marilyn Campbell, writer even. Mm-hmm. That, well, that's yeah. You'll probably get the romance novelist yeah. first, and if you put in Marilyn Campbell playwright, you'll get, you'll get the, the U.S. So playwright. You've so. the end. Yeah, yeah. It is a thing. It is. <laughs> It is important. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much for your time. Well, thank you. And thank you to all our listeners for listening. We're going to get back to our coffee. I hope you enjoyed the show and were inspired to find your passion and pursue it, or keep going if you already have. It can be a lonely road, but we'll travel it together.